0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video or online at fellowshipgj.com or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Good morning, church family. Guys, we are so pumped that you're here to worship with us. I wanted to share this scripture with you. It's found in 1 John 5. And it says, since we have this confidence we can also have great boldness before Him. For if we ask anything agreeable to His will, He will hear us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we also know that we have ob- obtained the requests we ask of Him. And I love that promise in that first verse that it says, since we have this confidence, we have this confidence. There's no other way that you can have confidence in God besides knowing how much you are loved how much you were accepted, how worthy he has made you, not by your strength, but by his. And so this morning, as we are going into worship, I just want you to come into that place of knowing what God says is what he says. It's the truth, it's what he's called to you. And when we come into agreement with what he is saying, he will do it. So can we pray to him this morning? Jesus, God, thank you for making a way for us. You made a way for us to have, to be in relationship with you, to have communication with you, to love on you, to worship you, to praise you. It is our honor to be here this morning. And God, with confidence, we ask that you would move on our behalf. We ask that you would move in these situations that feel impossible. We ask that you would be present with us when it feels like we are all alone. Jesus, would you release that blessed assurance that only comes from you, that peace that only comes from you. And we just wanna worship you and we wanna praise you in Jesus' mighty, powerful name. Amen, amen.
1: to you today, Father, just us, me and you, we don't hold on to anything, we lay everything down, we let everything else fall because it's just You won't kick down, lie. You won't tear down. Coming after me? You no. Know. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb. Up.
2: song is based on the Sermon on the Mount, and it's when Jesus is teaching all the people what it means to be followers of Christ. And so Jesus is talking about people who not only hear the word, but do the word. And so Jesus tells us throughout the gospel that we need to have faith. And when we do the word of God, and when we have faith, we're like people who build our house upon a firm foundation. When the rains come and the winds blow, that house will stay right where it is because Jesus is that firm foundation. And later in the gospel, we see, Jesus walking with a man named Jairus whose daughter is dying and Jesus is walking with him to go heal his daughter and he stopped to minister to another woman and Jairus is freaking out the leader of the synagogue his daughter is dying and somebody comes up to him and says don't bother coming she's dead and Jesus says to Jairus he says don't be afraid just have They end up going to the house and Jesus walks up. Everybody is is weeping because this little girl is dead. And Jesus says, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And then he says, little girl, get up. And if we are able to have that kind of faith, if we are able to walk out that faith of, don't be afraid, just trust me. Because Jesus is our firm foundation. There is nothing we cannot come against in life. There is nothing that can come against our foundation when it is built on Jesus. Cancer can't come against us. Bad finances can't come against us. The world can't come against us. Nothing can come against that foundation as long as we will not be afraid and have faith. So God, we put our faith in you, Jesus. We build our house on you, knowing that you are the firm foundation and that when the rains of life come, when the winds of life blow against us, we are able to stand steady in you and declare that we are going to make it through Jesus. Thank you that you are our firm foundation. I pray that you would bless every single person in here as they walk on from this moment to know that they have a firm foundation in you. Jesus, we love you so much. It's in your precious name. We All right, let's give them a shout of praise, church family. Yes. All right, well, make your way back to your seats, give some high fives, hug some some necks, let people know that they're welcome here. And as we make our way back to our seats, I want to welcome everybody joining us online. We're so glad that you decided to tune in with us. We know you could have watched any live stream, but you chose Fellowship Church, and for that, we are grateful as we make our way back to our seats, I want to encourage everybody um, who would consider themselves to be a new uh, new here or a visitor. This is your first time. Whether you're here in the room or joining us online, would you please text fellowship to 94000? That'll get you plugged in with our connections team and they'll reach out to you and then help you find you, your place here at Fellowship Church. Whether that's um, just attending or serving, your next steps are important to us. So if it's your first time and you're here in the room, please stop by the information center as well. We have a gift for you. It's a, a free specialty drink for everybody in your visiting party, and we just want to say thank you for being here with us, and welcome to Fellowship Church. Well, church family, we're going to continue to give um, worshiping God with the giving of tithes and offerings. You can see your options up here on the side screen. And in praying this morning um, about what should, what should we talk about in the offering, I'm reminded of the story of Jesus feeding the five thousand. And if you grew up in church, this is a really well known story. You saw it on a flannel graph, I'm sure, with with the little Jesus and the fish and all that. And so what happens is is Jesus is preaching to this crowd, and, and it's, uh, the Bible says it's five thousand people, but it only counts the men, so it's at least twenty thousand because they're not counting their families. And so Jesus is preaching to this crowd, and it starts to get late. And the disciples who are hungry say, Jesus, it's, it's late. You need to send these people away to go eat, which is ministry code for Jesus. I'm hungry, and I can't leave until all of these people leave. So please excuse them for dinner so that I can eat. And so the disciples, being the selfless people they are, <laughs> tell Jesus, please, send them to go get something to eat. And Jesus throws them a curveball, and he goes, no, you feed them. And then every administrator at that event went, what? I didn't plan to feed these people. And so they're like, what do you mean? We don't have the money to feed these people. Where would we even go? It would take a year's worth of wages to feed these people. And Jesus says, okay, well, what do you have? And so they scrounge up this measly meal of five loaves and two fish, and thus the filet of fish sandwich is born. Which is true according to me. And so the filet of fish sandwich is born, and Jesus takes it, and the disciples are looking at this, this measly meal, and they're like, what are we going to do with this, Jesus? What are we gonna, how is this going to feed at least 5,000 people? And Jesus prays over the food, and he breaks it, and he says, okay... Hand it out to the people. And not only does it feed every single person there, but there's enough for leftovers. There's an abundance. And so when we partner with God, when we put what little we have before God and we trust him with it, God makes it go Further. And so in our finances, we need to bring the first 10% to God. We need to give offerings over and above because we're partnering and worshiping God with what little we do have. Whether it's our money, whether it's our time, whether it's our energy, when we partner with God in those things, He makes them go further. So let me pray a prayer of blessing over you this morning, church family. God, we love you so much. Jesus, I pray that you would just bless every single person in here. God, bless them with an overabundance in their finances, in their energy, in their health, God. And I pray that any anybody in here who's been struggling with putting you first in their life, that you would just, you would answer their call, God, that they would put you to the test, and they would see that you are faithful. They would see that you are good, and God, that you would just make everything in our lives go that much further. We love you so much, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, church family, well, check out what's happening here at Fellowship Church in this video.
3: If you are newer to Fellowship Church, we'd love to invite you to a guest reception. We have one coming up on June 5th. This would give you an opportunity to get to know a few of our staff, take a tour of the building, and answer any questions you might have about who we are as a church family. To sign up for this, simply jump on the Church Center app and go to the Events tab and sign up. If you're not sure how to do all that, just stop by the information counter and we'll walk you through the process. If you are a life group leader or interested in becoming a life group leader, we have a night just for you. On June 7th, we're going to do a leaders meeting where we'll train and explain the vision and process of becoming involved or reconnecting as a life group leader. We are going to provide child care and a meal. You can sign up for this event on the Church Center app. If you are a follower of Jesus, but have yet to be baptized in water, we would love to challenge you to take that next step of faith. We're hosting a church-wide baptism on June 12th. To be qualified for baptism, all you have to do is know that you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then sign up. You do that on the Church Center app. You simply go to the Events tab and select Baptism, and you get your name on the list. Then, on the day, June 12th, invite people. Invite anyone you know that might want to see and celebrate your newfound decision to follow Christ as your Savior. That baptism service will take place at 10 a.m. in the 4640 Auditorium. Join us for that exciting opportunity. Super Kids Conference is coming up July 22nd through the 25th. This is our conference for students in elementary school. So if you have a young person beginning in grades two all the way through finishing up elementary school, we would love to have them join us for this conference. The cost is $75. It is gonna be so much fun. We're gonna take the kids to get air, we're gonna have a bunch of carnival games and bump and jumps and all kinds of craziness happening, but we're also gonna spend time teaching your children to love Jesus with all their heart. We're gonna give them practical ways to start praying and to start engaging in their faith with Christ every day of their lives. Please do not miss this opportunity to sign up your elementary student for Super Kids Conference. And now get ready, we're gonna wrap up our series of love and basketball today with this amazing message from Pastor Hooper.
4: The king gone against the crown said Oh no Devil done it now It's time to feel the fire
5: Well, good morning. For those of you that have never been behind stage, let me tell you what's back there. A little behind the scene talk for a minute. We have two or three rooms back there. There's an area where our praise team and band meet, and uh, they go over last minute notes and segues into one thing into another, making sure everybody's cues are right on target. There's also a green room for the praise team and an area where they pray before they come out. And one of the things we have the privilege of seeing and experiencing uh, uh, every Sunday morning is a group of people behind stage praying, and they're praying for you. Now if you notice up on stage, up on the platform, you'll see singers up here, but you'll also see a person over by that screen, and you'll see one over by that screen. And what these are, these are intercessory prayer warriors. They are praying for you that God would speak to you in the service, that you wouldn't miss anything, there wouldn't be any distractions. Whatever you need this morning out of God's Word, you get it. And then there's another room back in the back, and that is our pastor's prayer room, or what we call the green room for the speaker that day. And whoever the communicator of God's Word is that day, they have that room to themselves. They can invite family members in, they can invite other ministers in, they can ask somebody to come in there and anoint them with oil or pray over them and so that uh, they would do a good job delivering what God would have them to deliver. And in that room, on a wall, as they walk out, there is a Scripture that has been in that room from the time this building was built, and it is 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 3. This is the last verse, uh, passage of Scripture, that our communicators read before they come out here on the platform, and here it is. This is the Apostle Paul talking, he says, "'I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, "'and my message and my preaching were very plain. "'Rather than using clever or persuasive speeches, "'I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. "'I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, "'but in the power of God.'" I I want you to know, in case you don't, that every Sunday morning as we prepare for the service, uh, we don't try to do anything that we think is going to persuade you because of, of human experiences or somebody's something that happened to somebody or how clever we can be and how we could craft together maybe a message or a talk. When we walk out of that room, we are relying on the Holy Spirit to lead us in the moment, to be able to read the room, to be able to look around and maybe you think that I don't see you this far away, but I do. To make eye contact with you, to maybe hear something from the Holy Spirit about what somebody might be going through. But reading the room, that can only come through the Holy Spirit. So when we plan to do a series like For Love and Basketball, knowing that every time that we talk about relationships, and here's the thing, no matter how we try to go lighthearted on the relationship teaching, teaching always shines light on issues. So no matter how lighthearted we try to be in our teaching, many people realize, wait, wait, that message shined light on an area that I've been talking to you about or I've been trying to fix or I've been trying to get your attention with, and it can bring about all kinds of feelings and all kinds of emotions. But we do this not because we're, you know, we just want to wing it with some other kind of a series that we put together in a clever way or throw some graphics to. We do so because more than anything else, we know this is our heavenly Father's church, that you and I are his kids. We ask him not just one Sunday and not in the moment right now, but we ask him 52 Sundays a year, Father God, what do you want your kids to know and hear from your word? How do you want us to craft it together? What do you want us to do in a creative format? How, how do you want that to be? And not just 52 Sundays, we also do that for classes throughout the week. And we do that for retreats that we take our people on. Because we know how incredibly important this is. Every Sunday to the communicators, the pastors, the staff of Fellowship Church is Easter Sunday. We don't care if it's a three-day weekend. We don't care if Memorial Day's coming up. We treat every Sunday the same because we know what's at stake. And that is that somebody else might come in here or listen to us online, that has not yet come to know the Lord as a personal savior. It is our sincere desire to help you. We want to see each and every one of you saved, knowing Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. We want to see you growing in that relationship with Him. We want to see you happy, and we want to see you, watch this, successful. For the book says in Psalms chapter 1 that God would bless whatsoever your hands touch. And if you're in a relationship or if you're a single adult or you're trying to raise kids on your whatever that might be that you would be successful at it. You would be good at it because our culture is not going to help you. You're never going to learn anything from the culture in which we live in. a secular culture that's going to help your family because here's a popular quote. Take a look at this on the side screen. Home is where you go when you get tired of being nice to people. Well, that's the culture's way of doing it you got to be nice to everybody else, but when you get home, relax. Be mean. They can take it. Beat them up a little bit. Be rough on them. Somebody else was rough on you, so it's the kick to cat syndrome. It all goes down to going back to the house. But listen, being rough or being difficult to the people in your home, that is not a safe place for you to act like an idiot. Because these are the people who got your back. They're the ones that's going to grow old with you. They're the ones that's going to shoulder with you and go through difficult times and go back-to-back against enemy forces. These are the folks that are going to pray for you and that love you more than than anyone else. So, what I want to talk to you about this morning is going to be how we can can continue to go forward in a relationship with each other that is incredibly enjoyable. Here's the word successful. Let me put a a basketball term on it, that we win all the way through it. So let me pray, Father, God, we love you so very much, and thank you for guiding us. Thank you for directing us. We take everything that you tell us to do here very seriously. We love to have fun with it. You know that, Father, you created us with sense of humor. and Father, thank you for letting us laugh at ourselves, and thank you so much for what you're doing. But Father, we realize that you, Father, you are the designer, you're the giver of relationships. You're the one that created it, this whole idea of being in a marriage. This whole idea of coming together, building a family, it's all you, it's all your idea. So we can only do it right by doing it your way. So bless us, I pray, in the name of Jesus, amen. Well if you know me very well, you know that I love the ministry of Billy Graham. Billy Graham is probably the man that God used more in our lifetime, now he's already in heaven with his wife Ruth, but the man that was used in our lifetime to evangelize uh, all the way around the world. He was able to get into places no one else was able to get into, and he was able to preach the Word of God. He had influences with presidents of, our, of the United States, and he was just an incredible man. He was married, however, to a woman by the name of Ruth Bell. She was a daughter of missionaries, and she is an incredible lady, and they were married for over 60 years. Now, by his own admission, he would tell you that he was only home one-fourth of the time. Now, think about that. If you're married to somebody who's only home one-fourth of the time, ladies, that means that everything else falls on you, especially when that man is gone. Now, on one occasion, I think I got a picture of him. Did I get a picture up there? Uh, this is Bill Graham, Bill, yeah, Billy Graham and Ruth, Ruth Bell. And married 60 years. She was interviewed one time, and she was asked by the reporter, uh, kind of in a joking way, have you ever uh, thought about divorce? And and Ruth Graham said this, she said, divorce, no. Murder, yes. (laughs) So, here's my lesson for you. All of you sisters that are in here, listen very carefully to what I'm saying. Even if you were married to a Billy Graham, there would still be days that you'd want to kill him. Now, why is that? Because he's just a man. There's not another person that you can think of on the—ladies, may ask you a question. Would you like to be married to Captain Jack Spar- Spar- Sparrow? Is that his name? Yeah. 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 All right, men, name any other woman that you think you would like to be married to that would make your—be everything you think it would be. And the truth of the matter is, you look through Hollywood, and there's marriages are a mess. As you look around, as you see people, you realize, wait a minute, there might be some good things about them, <laughs> but the truth is there's some bad things too. There is no such thing as a perfect wife, and hear me out, there is no such thing as a perfect husband. Every one of us are going to aggravate the other. Every one of us are going to fall short in trying to be the person that we want to be in that marriage because we fall short in every other area of life. And the Bible speaks straight to this in in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, look at it. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We fall short of God's standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Now, back it up to Isaiah. The problem is still being talked about here in Isaiah 64, verse five you welcome, now this is the prophet talking to God, you welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways. But you have been very angry with us, talking about God, for we are not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? We are all infected and impure with sin. And we display our righteous deeds when we do. They're nothing but filthy rags. So, in other words, what, what this prophet is saying is, God, when we bring you the very best that we are, the very best that we can do, they're like filthy rags before you, before a holy God. The best that we have is not good enough. And then we jump forward to Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Christ Jesus the Lord has done. For nothing we've done, He's the one one that fills in the gap. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we are confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials and every marriage will, every family will, for we know that they help us develop endurance. We got to walk this through, we got to walk this out, we got to keep going with this marriage, this relationship, this family. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came in just the right time, died for us sinners. Um, we're not enough. We never have been. There's not a man in here that's ever going to be enough of a husband. There's not a woman in here that's ever going to be enough of a wife. Can y'all handle what I'm about to say today? Can y'all, y'all going to deal with this all right? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you're looking for perfection in your mate, stop it. Just stop, you're wearing her out, you're wearing him out, you're frustrating yourself and you're frustrating them. If we were to go to California, and I don't know why we would do that, but if we did, <laughs> and we were to stand on the beach there, and we were to back up as far as we could, and we decided that we were going to long jump into the water, we're gonna hit right up where that wave's breaking and we'll jump as far as we can, <laughs> As high as we can. The goal, Hawaii. That's the goal. And let's say I back up. I'm a little overweight right now and I only jump 10 feet because I'm fat, okay? You back up, you jump 23 feet, 4 inches. Woohoo! Yeah, jump me. You did good. Here's the problem we're still way short of Hawaii. Would you agree? So it doesn't matter how good you can be or how good I can be, that the truth of the matter is, we are never going to measure up to be what God wanted us to be without Jesus, and we'll never measure up to be what we should be to another person consistently 100% of the time. And take a look at this, here's why on the side screen. God did not create anyone to be your everything. And you women in here just that, you you might have the attitude, well, he just needs to try harder. And I'm telling you, he has. Every man in here wants to be a woman's hero. Every woman in here wants to be a man's princess every one of us in here want to be the kind of husband that we should be or the kind of wife that we should be. And many times we try really hard and many times we hit it close, but consistently not so much. The Bible teaches us that God is not going to allow you to have anyone that's going to take his place in every area of your life. You're going to have a husband, a wife, and they're going to be wonderful and great to live with most of the time, but sometimes they're going to be aggravating as well. And, and and when you stop putting pressure on them to be your everything, frustration in that relationship will diminish in that area. Now, it does not mean that you and I shouldn't try. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't uh, Given effort, surely the Bible talks about that. But I, let me go back to this for a moment. There, there's an 80-20 principle that we talk a lot about around here, and and, and I've seen this in, in a number of times. In frustrated couples, they hit a an impasse; they're unable to go by it. They communicate a little bit, and then they get some help, some counseling. End up in a pastor's office, really, when somebody's crossed their arm or somebody's thrown in the towel. And uh, then they talk about what they they're missing in the relationship. And I'll talk, tell me some good things. Here's some good things. Okay, here, what's, what's bugging you? This is it. I can't get, this is what, and here's the truth. Maybe he's 80-20. He is wonderful 80% of the time, but there's 20% that just aggravate you to death, right? And then what the enemy does is he swoops in and introduces you to 20%. His name is Bob. He works with you. He's over in that corner office. He drives that truck. That's who he is. And boy, you've seen from him 20 percent. So, you decide, and the enemy makes you think that that 20 percent is so important, that you make a change for that 20. And now you wake up with 20 and you totally lost the 80. The enemy is good at this. This is why it is so important that we realize, okay, God is not going to allow us to have anyone that desire everything. We turn to him and go to him for the things that we might be missing in this relationship, or we go to him anyway. But the Bible does say that not because we're, we fall short we shouldn't try. No! The Bible tells us when it comes to relationship, it gives us a lot of advice on how you and I can be better at it, how important relationships are. And one of the books that tells us how to get along Uh, with each other on this level. Psalms talks to us about how to get along with God on this level and understand them. Proverbs talks to us about how to get along with each other and to make relationships work, what to add, what to get rid of. And do you know in the book of Psalms, the Bible tells you, do not co-sign a note for your brother-in-law. Did you know that? Yeah, that's right there in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 26. The Bible says don't co-sign. And if you did co-sign, go back and get your name off the contract. So when your brother-in-law wants you to co-sign a note because he messed up his credit, tell him your heavenly father who wants you and him both to live the very best life told you you can't do it. So you got a problem, take it up with God. I do it, but it's not up to me. God told me I couldn't. Because in the book of Proverbs, we have all kinds of advice on how to make relationships work, what to do, what not to do. For the last couple of years, one of the greatest emotions that we've seen in people and in couples and in families has been the emotion of anger. And the Bible tells us when it comes to anger, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 22, an angry person starts fights. So, you go, what's wrong with my home? Well, let me ask you a question. Are you going there angry? Well, yeah. Well, then you're the problem because the Bible flat out says, if you're angry, you will start fights. She didn't do anything wrong. He didn't, kids didn't, just being kids, teenager, but you're angry. You're kicking the cat. Why? Because you're angry. Angry people start fighting. A hot-tempered person watch this commits all kinds of sin. You cannot carry anger in your life and have good relationships. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 17, this verse says, mind your own business. Now, it puts it this way, interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ears. Get your nose in somebody else's business, you're going to get bit. It's just good common sense when it comes to relationship. Proverbs 15, 28 says this. This is great advice. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. Think carefully before speaking. I mean, that's a great reminder for all of us. And look at it, it says, the mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Proverbs nineteen eleven says this, a person's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his credit, what? Come on, everybody, that he ignores a what? Did y'all see that? It is to his credit that he ignores it when something offends him. So it's overtime, the game's on the line, you're a little bit tired, you've been playing hard for the last several seasons of your marriage and of your family life. Let me give you a few things that are so important to take us on into a winning season and here it is, ready? Number one, you gotta stay coachable, stay coachable. I know you're tired, I know you've got some experience, but you have got to stay coachable. A coachable person is someone who does not shrink away from change, especially if it's necessary for them to succeed. They're capable of being easily taught and trained to do something better, especially when it comes to doing something different in different seasons of life. Now here's the question, are you still coachable? Will you still learn something? Will you still make adjustments? Are you willing to play another position if it's necessary for a short season? Or are you hard-headed and just stuck in your ways? Are you unwilling to adjust? These kind of stuck-in-your-ways players aren't any fun to play with. They're no longer coachable. And those kind of players in a family and on a team the coach and the players who loved them if they're not coachable if they're not willing to change if they're territorial if i got to do it my way i love the groundhog movie way of life i want everything to be the same day after day i'm not going to do anything differently the coach and the players who used to love that player are ready for that player to be traded so what do we do listen making things harder uh, in the family that when a family is already difficult and life is already hard is never going to be something that is loved or appreciated in the home i uh let me give you an illustration another one from behind the scenes we have a little over 20 staff members here that are full-time 40 to 60 sometimes more hours a week and they, they eat, drink, and sleep ministry. Everything they do is about ministry. I mean, they, their families, their life, they're, when they're not on the clock, they're on call 24 7 we absolutely pour into what is God doing in other churches and, and ministries, and we're constantly trying to do things better. And we always sit in staff meetings asking this question. That's the way we did it six years ago. Is it still the way we should do it today? And if not, we adjust it. And if we adjust it and it doesn't work, we adjust it again, and then we change it again. But here's something you need to know about this church. When it comes to our church, when it comes to what we're doing for God, we want it so five-star, so good, so for him, so blessed by him and exactly what he wants him to be. We will always, be constantly changing everything around here to be able to be what God wants to be in that season of culture in that life. So we have sometimes volunteers that come into our church and and they uh, and they'll do a ministry and they're really helpful to start with. But but a couple of months back we had a couple that was in our church. They've been in here for a long time, and. They were getting up a little bit in age and they wanted to keep doing things exactly the way they were doing them. And what they were doing was failing. It wasn't reaching today's people. And so we said, well, you know, we're going to change that up a little bit. And a staff member met with them and they kind of dug their heels in. And no, we're going to keep doing it this way. And staff member says, hey, man, we've researched this. There's a little better way to do it. Let's try this. No, no, we're going to do it this way. This is my area. Stay out of my area. And so anyway, when it, when it came down to it, it finally came down to it looking like we we're going to lose this couple. And so i said before we do that let me just take a shot at him i know him and known him for years and i said i love him and i don't want to lose him so let me just i don't want to hurt him so let me just talk with him so i went in and i talked with him and and uh between services and i I said hey you know and i loved on him a little bit i said hey guys here's the bottom line here's the bottom line you volunteer an hour and a half a week and we love you for that we do we love you thank you so much because we could not pull any of this off without the over 400 volunteers that we have working in different areas. So thank you so much. But it's important for you to know that our staff works 40 to 60 hours a week, 365 days a year they're on call. We study and we read and we pray and we are constantly looking for ways that. so when we make a change or we, it, it's for what we know is best for, for the church, it's best for the, the, the whole team. So I, I hope you hang in here. I hope you keep serving the Lord. But, but this person, these people, they dug in their heels and they said, no, it's either our way or we're out of here. And you know what they did after being in this church for 15 years plus? They left. Why? Because they would not adapt to change. How silly. Everything changes. Everything needs to move. You're not married. Some of you aren't married to a 20-year-old girl anymore. She's 68. 68. And a 68-year-old woman is nothing like a 20-year-old woman. Try to be married to her at 68 like you did when you were 20. It is not going to work. Everything has to adjust. Everything has to change. And you must continue to be, watch this term, a lifelong learner when it comes to the individuals that God put in your life. Coachable players understand that it isn't about a personal win. It's about a team win. And if your mate is not winning, then you're not winning. Stay coachable. Stay teachable. Here's the second thing you need. Don't foul out. Don't foul out. It is overtime. Don't spend the end of the game on the bench. Listen, some of you were in a relationship in the past that you thought was going to last. You thought you were going to grow old with that person and and, and you were in love with them. But the truth of the matter is they wouldn't stop fouling you. And finally, they fouled you to a point where you just couldn't handle the pain of it anymore, the emotional abuse anymore, the deception anymore, the betrayal anymore, the lies anymore. And finally, they fouled you to a point, watch, where they fouled out of your life. Now, take a look at this on the side screen. People don't fall out of love. They foul out of love. It's not you decide one day, I, you know, you're, you're kind of like you've always been. I just don't love you anymore. No, you've brought about enough fouls in this relationship where we can't be together anymore. And in the game of basketball, fouling someone is usually you fouling someone on the other team. But in, when it comes to relationships, when you're fouling, you're fouling your own teammate. Man, if I had more time than this, I'd give you what some fouls are that happen on the court, but they also happen in the family. Let me rush through a few of them. The first one is the accidental foul. It happens in every marriage and in every family. The accidental foul is when you just run into somebody, you get in their way, or you karate chop somebody across the arms when they're trying to take a shot. And the bottom line is when that happens, you didn't mean to accident. Yeah, I own it. It's me, my bad. Hey, my bad right here. I did it. Yeah, Number, number 13. Yeah, me, I did that accident though hey sorry sorry about hey honey i'm sorry i did not mean to do that i forgot to do i forgot to go by the store i'm sorry about that i'll go i'll go right now i'm sorry accident then there's the flagrant foul the flagrant foul is oh yeah i did that and i did that on purpose because i was angry and i wanted to do it and i said that because i know that that would invoke this kind of response from you and i said it anyway flagrant foul i own it I did it. I'm a little sorry for it. Yeah. Then there's the offensive foul. The offensive foul is when other people are being ran over at the expense of your drive to the basket. I'm not saying don't build the business. I'm saying don't neglect the wife or the husband. I'm not saying don't go to work. I'm saying come home and be fully there. It's an offensive foul. You're driven, you're going for it, and that's great, but you're running over people in order to be able to accomplish something where people aren't gonna be there for you when you need them to be there. And then there is the technical foul. The technical foul is inappropriate attitudes or unsportsmanlike conduct, actions and attitudes that are emotionally driven. You got mad and you pushed the ref. Never push the ref. Well, I'm mad. You don't know what's going on in my home. You don't understand what's happening. I'm led by my emotions. Let me tell you what I've learned about my emotions. And let me tell you what you need to know about yours. Your emotions do not have a brain, they do not think clearly. They're just feelings, they're just emotions. They're not scripture, they're not guidance, they are not your GPS system. They are just emotions and they don't think, they feel, and what do they do? They react. And if you're not careful, they can get you completely thrown out of the game. You see, if you keep fouling that loved one of yours, someone's going to get hurt. You can't keep fouling somebody and them not get hurt, or you yourself get hurt. If you keep fouling, you're not just fouling your mate. Listen to me. You're fouling God's child. And if you keep fouling in the game of basketball— you're going to end up sitting on the sideline watching someone else play your position. In marriage, if you're not careful and you keep fouling, you're going to end up sitting on the bench watching another player play your position, disciplining your children, holding your grandbaby. Man just don't foul out. Don't foul out. I, we talk to couples all the time, and to hear how they talk to each other, or to hear um, just kind of what the issues are in the family, or just there's meanness, or there's, there's just this tone. And Christians know how to speak the truth in love. A tone is something that's going to always cause an issue in a family. It's not what you said, it's just kind of how you said it. And we've said and we listen to couples talk to each other from time to time and and, and to see just the things that they make big out of something that is so very little. I married a woman who loves peace. She hates drama. She is not get up in my face, pop her neck and kind of a person, she's not that. She just loves to have peace in our home and calmness in our home. She's careful about what comes onto our television. If we ever had to have a really argument or whatever with a grown child or something like that, we don't take it to the house. We take it to a neutral place somewhere else because we don't want that memory of that argument in our home. We protect our home. Let me put it this way. She protects our home. She protects the atmosphere of our home. And in our home, we have decided that we're going to have a place that's restoration. We're going to a place where we can refuel, where we can, where we can re, restore, where we can go back out there in the world that, that is a mess. But when it comes to our home, it is our only place of refuge. It's the only place that we can go and know that we can totally trust this other person who knows us better than anyone. And to be mean to each other, to be curt, to say something rude, to say something that's hurtful, Oh man, we're just messing up the atmosphere of the only place we really, really have. And that leads me to the last point, keep your eye on the clock, keep your eye on the clock. I don't want any game left in me when the clock runs out. I wanna leave everything that I have on the table. I'm not gonna be the perfect husband, I'm not. I'm gonna mess up and have to apologize a lot, but my wife has got my last breath on this earth. My wife has got my last ounce of energy that I will have on this earth. I give that to her. Keep your eye on the clock because the clock's running out. And here's why. I want to finish well, and I know that you do too. And I want to finish well with this team that God gave me called a family. But here's something else I know, that no matter how good she is, no matter how hard I try, we are still going to foul each other. Get that down. Well, I wish my husband would stop fouling. He's never going to stop fouling you, ever. I wish my wife would stop fouling me saying what you did. Never, she is a female. She is going to speak her mind from time to time. Never. So that's why it is so important that you and I get down the art of apologizing. David was a man after God's own heart and he did a lot of stupid things, but David more than anything else as a great man of God was also a great apologizer. Take a look at this on the side screen. Arguments drag out because one is too stubborn to forgive and the other is too proud to apologize. Let me ask you a question. How often do you apologize to your spouse? Think Think about that for a moment how often do you apologize to your spouse? Let me ask you another question, another way. How often do you apologize to God? Do we have any everyday apologizers to God? Anybody like that in here? Any, I apologize to him several times a day. Would you you raise your hand? Okay. So, probably as often as you're apologizing to God, you probably need to be apologizing to your spouse because they're close enough and wrapped all up in that. You go, I hadn't apologized in a long time. Then something's wrong with that. And look at this, apologizing doesn't always mean you're wrong and the other person's right. It means that you value your relationship more than your ego. You value your relationship more than your ego. Would you all stand? We're running just a little over. But I want to do something to kind of close this out. <clears throat> every married couple in here who one of you is under the age of 40, would you raise your hand? One of you is under the age of 40. Every, every married person, whether your mate's here or not, if you are married and one of you is under the age of 40, you're not even close to being under the age of 40. What are you all doing right now? <laughs> would you raise your hand? Would you come down front, please? If one of you is under the age of 40, I want to ask you as a married person to come down front. Even if your maid is working in the back or working security or whatever it is, I want to ask you all to come down here for a second. Wait on her. What's wrong with you, Daniel? She's trying. Seriously, I'm trying to coach you right now. Yes, thank you. You guys are the busiest people on the planet and you're probably the tiredest. You're shuffling kids everywhere. Most of you have teenagers, God help you. You got activities, ball games, you have to make a living cost of things are going up gas is crazy and it all falls on your dining room your table at night when you're trying to pay the bills trying to be a good boyfriend good girlfriend because that's what brought you all together in the first place that kind of gets pushed back in the shuffle doesn't it and then you see more pressure on him than you've ever seen on your husband in your entire life because of what we've all gone through got angry he's angry some of you women are hurt disappointed you think being married to a Billy Graham maybe might be the answer but it's not because you'd want to kill him too so the answer is not trading 84 or 20 the answer is what's talked about in Corinthians is just to cut each other a little slack cover up a multitude of sins. I've got you. Sweetheart, I'm sorry. That was stupid. I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have said that. I came home just messed up. I'm sorry about that. Need a little time in the garage. I'll be all right. All right, baby, go ahead. Get on out there. I'll help you get out there. Go on. But I've got your back. I'm with you. We're going to endure through all this and we're going to be okay we're going to keep walking we are we are everybody married over the age of 40 would you raise your hand empty nest syndrome kids gone retirement may be coming up finances is the money going to stretch am I going to be able to work long enough physically all those kind of things kick in over 60 over 60 raise your hand you wake up with something new hurting every day. (laughs) Some of you are grouchy, not because you've got a problem, you just, you're, you're hurt. It hurts. Change you a little bit. Need somebody to have patience with you. But to have somebody that will grow old with you and love you and care for you and lift you in and out of a chair and wipe your mouth and remember for you when you can't remember and pay bills that they used to always pay is to pay off of every season of life we've been calling this series quarters first quarter second quarter but really in life it's seasons and everyone's different and if you start trying to play the third season like you played the first season you're not coachable I can't tell you the number of people and marriages that would have been rescued and saved if just one of them would make the adjustments let me ask you a question normally in a marriage relationship one's really good at apologizing and the other one hardly ever says i'm sorry and would you like to know which one logistically which one the man say they're sorry seven or eight times over what the wife does. Girls, that ain't fair. That ain't fair. Swallow your pride. You're not a princess. You're not gonna be the prom queen. You're a mate. Mates are equal. (laughs) I'm gonna need security to get out of here, ain't I? I will. (laughs) You know I love you. You know I do. i'm old enough to say it to you somebody young you would get mad at i want to pray for you would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute last week pastor tim made the statement marriage is the greatest thing you could ever do and and it was like crickets in here (laughs) nobody clapped nobody marriage is awesome crickets So I think we chose the right series. You will never be married to 100% of what you want. Take that pressure off of him because it's just frustrating him. He's never gonna measure up to being everything you always want. 100% of the time, he will not. And he's gonna have to apologize to you a lot. Receive it. Receive it man listen to me she's never going to be 100 percent of everything you need or want never she's your girl she's your baby take that pressure off of her to be something that she's not going to be it's only frustrating her and it's only frustrating you stop it god did not create her to be your everything relationship where both of you are tucking into God is like a, like the spokes of a wheel. The closer you get to the center with the Lord, the closer you get to each other. Your answer is to be a man or woman of God first. And God helps you be the rest to that person. But it will not work any other way. That's God's way. You be the man or the woman to God that God wants you to be first. And then you will be to that person, that mate, that husband, what you need to be. Father God, we love you so very much and thank you for creating the relationship of marriage. Thank you for the challenges of it. Thank you for the ups and downs of it. But thank you also for the realization that none of us are perfect. And there's going to need to be a lot of apologies. We're going to foul sometimes even on purpose. But please help us to fix it every time. And to be more of what you want us to be to you. And to be more of what you want us to be to each other. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus over these couples. In Jesus' name, bless them. Amen. God bless you all. I love you. Thanks for staying later with me.
6: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church if you've not made jesus christ your lord and savior i want to give you the opportunity to do that right now the bible says in the book of romans if you declare with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved and you can do that right now i just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me dear jesus i'm a sinner and i need forgiveness please forgive me of my sins i believe that you are lord that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus' name. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text the word HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions that you might have. And also, if you're in need of prayer, we'd love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting "prayer support" to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries here, Text the word fellowship to 94,000 to connect with our staff today. And as always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions and thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.